Hey folks, Josh here. This fall at Gen Con, the largest tabletop gaming convention in the world, our show will be hosting its very first live recording session, taking place August 2nd at 8 p.m. in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Indianapolis. This show will include a one-time recording of a What's in the Rift one-shot, as well as a prize drawing amongst ticketed guests where we'll be handing out exclusive What's in the Rift Gen Con 2024 custom t-shirts, as well as a Cortex Prime RPG handbook signed by the system's creator, Cam Banks. Tickets are $6 and available via Gen Con's events page. You can find more information and a link to the sales portal at rift.show forward slash live. We can't wait to see you there. Rusty Quill presents. Hey folks, Josh here. I'm glad you've stuck with us through a second episode. We're going to be switching things up going forward. You may have noticed that this episode is much shorter than the first, and this will be the length that we'll be shooting for regularly from here on out. That said, it doesn't make much sense to take a break in the middle anymore, so instead, we're going to kick things off with a trailer from the wonderful group of folks over at Big Campaign Pod. Enjoy! Hey everybody, my name is Jeff, and I run the Big Campaign Stories podcast. Our story focuses on four people working at a repo company, trying to keep afloat among a corporate dystopia and crushing debt. The world is one that we have been playing in and working on for a long time. The current homebrew setting is played with Pathfinder 1st Edition rules, but with more of a modern feel to it. Think something like Blade Runner or Snow Crash, but with magic. Uh, we try to release every Thursday, and when we cannot, we come up with small side episodes focusing on each character to help expand the world and lore. So, if you like greasy breakfasts, people trying to pay bills, and the occasional Lovecraftian monster, give us a listen. Alright, thanks. Previously on What's in the Rift. The weirdest thing happened about 30 minutes ago. I stumbled and I realized that, yes, this is a mirror, but there's something behind it. When I go back there to look, there's a room back there. It has a laptop with a bunch of weird numbers on it, and there is a body in there. I am going to put the device to the back of his skull and pull the trigger. <laughs> what the? Wait, I'm in front of the door and I don't see you here. What color is it? It's, it's just like a normal brown door. Wait a minute, wait a minute. My door is green. Yeah, this is definitely like a black door. I'm colorblind, so I'm not sure. So it feels like from my side that it's almost as if we're not sharing the same reality. Can I move forward and pull the sheet down from his mouth? <coughs> oh, oh, God. I'm Herman. What's in the Rift is intended for mature audiences. This show includes death, drug use, criminal activity, and a consistent undercurrent of existential dread. Any children discovered listening to this show will get the hammer. This 
This story continues in a narrow, clandestine room in an apartment on a humid night in what was once Orlando. A thick, treacly, sweet smell of rot hangs in the air. A humming computer monitor casts a pallid glow over a man bound on the floor. Blanche Boyer and Jackie McLeod stand over him, having just removed his makeshift gag, which now hangs limp at his neck. His face is crusty with rapidly drying blood, dribbling in thin tendrils from his ears. This man is Herman Foster. Until recently, Herman was a tourist visiting the lawless Florida reservation. Now, he's sitting in a reality not wildly different, but not quite the same. Let's rewind Herman's story, as knowing Herman's story means understanding who he is. Herman was born in 1977 in a Cleveland suburb. He spent the first eight years of his life under the watchful eye of father, a shaman, and his mother, an embalmer. Herman always referred to father as father, as did most members of his community who visited him. He received his first macro dose of under father's guidance. He laid suspended, his ankles elevated over his head, a thick cloth draped over his body. The faint smell of cigarettes filled his nostrils as the ritual cloth laid over his face. That cigarette smell always brought Herman back to the first night of the rituals. At 17, Herman, having gained the age of majority, moved from his father's home. He lived in the hostel at the edge of town with others similarly pushed from their nests. His bunkmate, Timothy, studied with father. There he learned the dosages, the movements, the chants he would need to know when father died and Timothy took his place. Herman, however, sought a different path. He sought an escape from the too real unreality of the rites. Herman became fascinated with the physical world. Exploration became his passion. The abandoned and forgotten spaces that dotted these like simmering infections called to him. The stories left untold in empty buildings and the cycle inherent in their existence. Birth, growth, decline, and ultimately, transformation. This love for the decaying, abandoned detritus is what brought Herman to the Florida Reservation. It's what drove him to explore a building he thought empty. And as Herman now has every reason to fear, it may also be how his story ends. Uh, you, the tall one, I don't know where you come from, but you weren't part of this story. Something's telling me you're gonna help me, though. Are you a doctor? I am. You don't seem to be doing too well here. I'm not. I don't know what's wrong, but I'm not doing well. Can I take a look? Please. He leans forward. As he does, he has propped himself up onto his elbows and worked his back up against the wall. And now he's leaning towards you, Jackie. You notice that every movement he makes is unsteady and has a hitching, jerky quality to it. There are signs that he has experienced some type of head trauma. The dried blood coming from the orifices on his head is a pretty dead giveaway. There are smaller clues, too. Tell me how you would like to take a look. Would this be where I need to tell you my assets that I have? Are you looking to create an asset? I want to have like a small pack in my bag that has my medical equipment. For sure. So with assets in Cortex Prime, in order to make an asset narratively significant, you will spend a plot point. Plot points are currency. You have a lot of different ways to gain those and a lot of different uses for spending them. One of those uses is spending a plot point to create a D6 asset. You could spend two plot points to create a D8 asset. You may always have things like a stethoscope or a tongue depressor or whatever else you may use during this on hand, but in order to make it something narratively significant, you'll need to spend a plot point. 
So I was doing a little research and the bag that like doctors or medical people carry around is called a Gladstone bag. So you now have a new asset, a D6 asset called Gladstone bag. And that is your bag with all your medical equipment and diagnostic tools. In front of you sits Herman. He is looking worse for the wear. You've already noticed some jerky movements and you've noticed a sluggish demeanor that he has about him. I would like to pull my Gladstone bag out and grab a few items out of it. The first will be the stethoscope and a pen light, also the thermometer and the patella hammer. What was his position, please? So Herman is propped against the wall. His arms and legs are still bound, but you've freed the gag. He's managed to work himself somewhat upright, but doing so was obviously a laborious process. He is leaned forward, but his arms are still tied behind his back with a white bedsheet. Herman, I'd like to untie you, at least by your hands, for this exam, if you don't mind. If you could try to stay calm and not cause any issues, otherwise we will have to tie you back up and gag you again. I promise I'll be friendly. (laughs) I I thought you'd never ask about untying me, and hey, if you want to gag me later, we'll see how that works out. Gag me now. (laughs) I will lean forward and untie him, and then put my stethoscope in my ears and start listening to his chest. You get a faint heartbeat from Herman. It's the general weakness of the heartbeat that's concerning to you. I'm also going to pull my pen light out and check his pupil response and then also have him, uh, can you follow my finger after I do the light in his eyeballs? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I think I could do that. So I will, uh, put my finger up and have him follow it to the left and right, up and down, slowly. We're going to have a test here. I've got my roll here. (laughs) That's a tough one. You're going to have to beat a 15. So I will have a D6 for my medical supplies. And then I will also use doing it for others. Distinction. And it's one of each item we can use, correct? One from each section of your character sheet, yes. Um, I want to use a die 12 healer. I think that is my die set at this point. Okay, I'm going to roll. Mm, you said it was a 15? All right, I got a 11. You follow his eyes, but you can't tell if it's the blood that's caked around them or just the general shakiness of him elsewhere. You're not getting any strong readings of nystagmus, which would indicate some type of impairment. There's definitely something not healthy going on, though. Yeah, there's plenty of indicators of that. I would like to take his blood pressure and I will pull out the blood pressure cuff. He offers you his arm and he looks over at Blanche and says, Is she usually this thorough? (laughs) Uh, sure. I just met her, so your guess is as good as mine. Oh, so this is, uh, kind of a meet cute for all of us then? I don't know what you think this is, but this is not that. Well... It kind of feels like that, yeah. What this is, is weird. I gotta know. You said you were expecting me, but she was a surprise. Can you elaborate what that means? Yeah, I need him to not speak while I do this. That'd be great. Okay, sorry. For this test, you have to be the seven. I got a ten. His blood pressure is low. 
and a low blood pressure can be indicative of a number of things. But in someone with an obvious head injury, it could indicate something as serious as like an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke, or it could be indicative of some other type of internal bleed. Herman giving him a once-over does not look like the kind of guy who naturally has a low blood pressure. He honestly looks like his diet consists mainly of salt. For him to have a low blood pressure would seem to indicate that he is actively bleeding somewhere. I'd like to uh, do like a physical finger poke it around uh, exam of his skull. You're fingering his skull? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I think He'll enjoy it. That's what he wanted, yeah. <laughs> that is what he yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking for like any squishy spots that shouldn't be there or like a goose egg, some super swelling, any pain on contact that's not an obvious cut. You work your way around his head. The dome of his scalp and the front and sides of his head are all pretty much what you'd expect. But as you make your way around to the rear, where the spine meets the skull, Herman winces and says, Ow! Fuck! Ouch! I don't know what you just hit, but that, that's tender. That does not feel good. Do you want to make a roll to see if there's some information that you could gain from that? Yes, and physically look at it as well. That's a six that you'll need to be. Okay. I think I'm going to do the same pool. I mean, you're doing the same medical exam, so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so good. 15. You've beaten this test by more than... Five, which means that this is a heroic success. Nice. A heroic success can give you a couple different things. Either you can take an asset from this for the remainder of the scene, which would be a D6 asset, or you could step up your medical tools to a D8 asset. Ooh. Which I, I think both of those would be acceptable choices. Or you could just say, I figure out what's going on. And you could end this examination with full information. I would like to end the examination with the information because I have treatment in mind. You hit the tenderness at the base of his skull and there's really only one thing left in your mind that this could be. He has an active bleed somewhere inside his brain case. You would say that this is a serious to critical condition and the fact that he's speaking at all, let alone coherently, is a little amazing. So you wanted to ask me some questions, short stuff? You were expecting me, I think you said? That she was a surprise? Yeah. Uh, for a second there, everything became very clear as to what was going to happen. But then I lost it, just as quick as it all came. But I, I saw the next chain of events, I guess. And you were part of it. You were coming up here... You are untying me. Things weren't going well for me. <laughs> What's your name, sweetheart? I told you mine. It's only fair. You can call me Dr. McLeod. Blanche, while you're asking your questions, I want to go check for some ice for his head. Otherwise, I think we might have to do a little procedure. I'm not good with blood. You can look away. If you're doing a procedure on me, I'd prefer if you look. I'm not doing any procedures. Do what you gotta do. You wanted to ask some questions, though? All right, Herman. I squat down, get eye level with him, like a parent interrogating a toddler who's made an obvious mess. And I get real serious, and I look at him, and I go, How I did that. you get here? There's a story to that, but it was tricky. 
It was, um, one of the natives. I think he said his name was Tonka. All right. Well, if you saw that I was coming, how did you not see that he was going to put you in his walls? It was something he did to me that did this. I'm not sure what it was. What did he do to you? He seems a little cagey about telling you what was done to him. You have an option here. You can try to press the issue or you can let it fly and just take note of the fact that he seemed cagey and circle back to it later if you want. Perhaps find a different way around this or you can try to coerce him to give you this information. I'm not going to let it go. So if you want to coerce him to give you that information, we'll have to engage in a contest. A contest! A contest. (laughs) It shall be. So in a contest, you will assemble a dice pool and you will narratively tell me what you are doing with that dice pool. Tell me what to do and then I'm going to do it. That's, that's how I learn. Okay, so I'm assembling my dice pool to interrogate Herman. So I'm going to use Tenacious to a fault. Uh, No, maybe I'm going to use Rebellious Spirit because he clearly is being obstinate. Can I use my relationship with Jackie even though she's not currently in the room? How would you be using your relationship with Jackie? Um, Because by knowing what happened to him, I can help her help him. I'll allow that. Okay. And then I'm going to use Investigator, and that is it. Okay. Herman similarly is going to build the dice pool, but he'll do it after you tell me the result of your roll. Mm-hmm. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. Twelve. Herman is going to oppose this roll with his distinction, slimy bastard, his value, which is a system that you'll learn about a little bit later, of self-preservation, and he's going to use his specialty of scoundrel. You had a 12? Correct. Herman rolled a 10. Ah. Sweet. (laughs) Herman looks up at you and says, Oh, fine. You can tell already you're not going to let this go. Mechanically, what's happening, Herman is giving up at this point, and he's going to dictate the terms on what he's telling you. So Herman does not receive a complication. You don't receive an asset. He is simply going to tell you what you initially asked. Okay. He was going to give me drugs, and I believed him. He even brought out a, a mirror and some, some cards and other things, and I was ready for those drugs. And as I was leaning over, he put something to the back of my head... It was like someone had blown up my eardrums and punched me directly on the brain. It sucked. I didn't know what was going on for a minute. Before I knew it, I'm tied up, and in here, I was I was trying to get some help, and I knew something was going down. Like, I knew that nothing good was going to come of that, and I started to scream, and that's when he did it again. I was just out. I don't remember anything other than him pressing that thing to the back of my head. And then I woke up in here alone. And I had all these things in my head, including you. Including me. Okay, Um. so it wasn't a hit to the head. It was something pressed against your head, and that made... Yeah, listen, uh, I don't know but, if you told me, or if this is more of that whatever bullshit that told me you're going to be here, but I got the words hammer. It didn't feel like a fucking hammer, though. It felt like somebody set off a bomb inside my skull. Oh, the hammer. Okay. Jackie shows up back in the door holding loose ice in a towel. Jackie, what are you doing with this ice? Are you just coming up and, like, applying it to the back of his head? 
Yeah, I'm going to move up towards him. Let's see if this will help a little. Otherwise, the next part's not going to be so pleasant. Yeah, so while you were gone, I had a little conversation here with our friend Herman. And he was kind enough to inform me that he was not hit in the head, but there was something pressed against his head. How did you put that, Herman? Someone said like a bomb going off in my skull. Like like a bomb going off in his skull. Uh, do you remember mention of the hammer in the rift? Isn't that what we're meeting to check out? Uh-huh. Uh, I think we found the results of what the hammer does. So let's cut back to Tosca and Jenny. Hell yeah. Tosca, you had just found Jenny in what used to be your back bedroom, but now is extremely unfamiliar. She was kind enough to clean you up after being bloodied. And as you were sitting there cleaning Tosca up, Jenny, you feel a buzz in your pocket as your phone mm-hmm. pings a notification. This is the same notification sound that you usually hear for the rift. Oddly enough, Tosca's laptop does not make the same notification noise. This one appears to only be addressed to you. Interesting. I will dry off my hands. I'm going to wash them after dealing with all that nastiness. And I will pull out my phone. You open this notification and it appears to be a legitimate post on the rift. Unlike every post you've seen on the Rift so far, this one isn't cryptic at all. It reads, Successful interlace events recorded. Entities AR-0007 and AR-1033 back online. Entities AR-0067, AR-6271, and AR-7211 set to redundancy. Confirm receipt and purge logs. Data segregation is a priority one initiative. Redouble efforts with successful subjects and continue observations. A few lines down in bright red capitals reads, Singleton subjects remain top priority. Identify, influence, investigate. Well? Jenny's a double agent. (laughs) 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 Interesting. Was that from the rift? Yeah, take a look at this. This Does this mean anything to you? Yeah, I find it weird. I I did not get a message. They've been matching up up until now. So yeah, you mind showing that to me? No, no, no. Look, does it make any sense to you? Absolutely not. But none of this does. So should I respond? It asks me to confirm. Say like a new phone. Who dis? (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't seem like a human. I don't, it seems like an auto response. I feel like I should just say confirm or deny. Maybe I'll just leave it for now. What was that last line again? Singleton subjects remain top priority. Identify, influence, and investigate. All underlined and in red caps. Why are they yelling at us? What is this? I certainly don't think we want to purge the logs, so I don't think we should confirm the receipt. Sitting at the bottom of this message, Jenny, there is a button that says confirm. You're more than welcome to press it if you like. If you don't, that's fine as well. If you want to figure out or try to deduce what may happen to either one, let me know, and that's a possibility too. So I have a sneaky suspicion that these five entities are the five other people in our party. 
but I can't think of a reasonable way for Jenny to try and figure that out. <laughs> no, that's fine. You as a player are the one ultimately trying to figure out this mystery. If you can think of something narratively that would lead you there, I'm all right with you going with your own gut feelings too. The first two entities that were listed, the numbers, if I remember correctly, they were different from the following four, right? They're, they're all different. No, I'm saying like it said one was set to redundancies, I believe, and the two prior to that were not. Two of them are back online. That must be us. And the other three are set to redundancy. But if there was six of us meeting to find, figure out this hammer thing, someone would be left out. And I can only imagine that would be me since I got the message, which would insinuate that two out of the five of you are back online, whatever that means. Um, are there in the rift? Is there a little like online icons or like a way? Excellent question. I do not know. So let's say this, if you would like to spend some plot points to make there be some type of online indicator, I would allow that. I think I would. I would like to plot point. Okay. <laughs> I will allow you to spend a plot point to make true about our world here that the Rift has some type of indicator when a user is actively online. When you go to look at online users, you notice that of the chat, I'm assuming that's where you're looking. The list of everyone that's online. Like, for example, on Discord, you can see all down the side, right? Everyone that's mm -hmm. on or like on any. I'm thinking like AOL is messenger back in the day. But there's always like <laughs> oh, green God. dot, yellow dot, gray dot, mm -hmm. whatever. So who's on, who's not? You see currently online, Veranam, Scout Bobber, Snowden Signal, Court, and yourself, Firefly. But you do not see Palekas. And we're all showing green dot. Showing green or yellow, which would indicate connected but not active. Who's green versus yellow? Right now, you have a green dot next to Veranom, and you have a green dot next to Court. Wonderful. Um. So they left me out. Maybe. I mean, maybe I was wrong. It's it's possible that that's not even it. But what else could it be, though? I don't know. And it would make sense that there's two people who are, you know, green online and two are back online. The other three set to redundancy. I don't know what that would mean, though. What I'm taking from this is I am not a subject. Does that mean you're the scientist? I'm definitely not a scientist, except I did do an experiment not too long ago, but uh, it didn't turn <laughs> out too well. What kind of experiment? I shot a dude with the, the hammer and uh, he fell asleep and then he woke up and he started banging his head against the floor and then I did it again and then he fell asleep again and now I'm in a different apartment. So that catches us up to now. He fell asleep? Yeah. Or you knocked him out? Because that sounds like I, well, uh, you knocked him out. I didn't knock him out. The, the, the trinket, the gadget knocked him out, not me. I'm, I'm innocent here is what I'm saying. I'm not sure that's how that works. You see Jenny debating whether or not to argue this point with you. And you can almost like read across her forehead. That makes no sense. He absolutely knocked this person out. And then you almost see her face go, you know what? It's not worth it. We've got bigger problems. I have the thing. That's what matters. Why am I not in this list? I don't know. But then that begs the question who each of these is. So I guess. We need to find somebody else. Yeah, but how do we do that? Wasn't there a button that you could press? Yeah, but that's that just message? to confirm receipt. And, and it says confirm receipt and purge logs. I don't know that we want to. But you took a screenshot, right? I did, yeah. And I want to actually like go back into my photos and make sure that the screenshot's actually there. 
Screenshot's definitely there. If you have the screenshot, then confirm it. Okay. Remember your options. You can choose not to confirm, you can choose to confirm, or you could put together a pool of dice to figure out what's going on. Oh, yeah. You know, any of those options are perfectly valid. And if you want to just confirm, that works as well. I think I want to put together a dice pool to figure out what's going on. I will let you know that this is going to be a particularly difficult rule. This is a, a D10 challenge. That makes a lot of sense. Jenny's just going to kind of take a second and just look at this and think critically. And she's going to she's going to do this quietly to herself. And she's just trying to think through everything she knows at this point. I will use, I'm going to use my distinction witness to the weird because this is fucking weird. I will use my relationship with Tosca because he's here helping me figure this out. And then I am going to use investigator because I'm trying to investigate and think critically about what is actually going on, which will be another D8. I did roll a one. You have to beat a 15. And I got a 12. The one won't matter because there's no conceivable complication that can occur. You do your best to suss out what this message is saying. And there are some pieces of it that would seem to make sense. If you confirm the receipt of this message, that whatever the logs are will be purged. Something about those number sequences and the code AR does stick out. That's really all you can tell on a failed poll. That is acceptable. In what way do they stick out? Like is something familiar or I just like recognize the pattern? So you recall a lot of posts on the Rift being headed by a number sequence similar to this. Okay. They would have an AR and then usually a four-digit code. Okay. You would estimate about 95% of the posts on the Rift start with an AR and then a four-digit code. So after a few minutes of Jenny just sort of silently thinking and maybe mumbling a little bit to herself, she'll just look up at you, Tusk. I can't figure out what the hell this is supposed to mean. I mean, so these numbers and codes, those kind of make sense, right? Because I'm sure you've seen the post on the Rift, right? Where they have AR, like number, 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 number. But besides that, I got nothing. Me neither. Should I confirm and purge the logs? It does say data segregation is a priority. With the screenshot, I feel like that is a safe move. At least maybe then something will happen more than what is happening right now. What if it deletes my screenshot? Here, take a picture of my phone with your phone. Deal. I take the picture of her picture, so now we have multiple pictures. Wonderful. Um, And then I will hit confirm. You hit confirm, and the message on the screen immediately disappears. You go to put your phone in your pocket thereafter, and as you do, you notice that it gets awful hot. In fact, it's getting very hot. It's getting uncomfortably hot. Holy shit, this thing is burning you, Jenny. You don't want to be burned. You've had your experiences with burning before. What do you do? So as soon as it gets like to the uncomfortable level, I'm going to pull it out. And I'm like, what the heck is happening with this thing? Um, and I'll look at it before it gets too hot to touch. Do I have that standard phone overheated, try again later, whatever message? Your phone screen is extremely garbled. It looks like the LED screen itself is washed out from heat. It's gone a very pale gray. Everything is a whitish hue. 
And just before the LED screen fails and the phone becomes too hot to handle, you see an odd message and it just flashes a six digit code. And that code is AR1033. AR1033. As it gets to that point where it's too hot, I'm just going to like drop it on the table. Did you see that, Tosca? Yeah. The number? That was one of the numbers. Confirmed that. Maybe I was wrong. (laughs) Because now you have a phone (laughs) and that sucks. What was the number that you saw right before it went out? It was the the one 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 zero one zero zero three. That was one of the numbers, right? Pull up your picture on my phone. Yes, it was AR one zero three three. Anyway, I think we need to find other people. Yeah, well now I have no way to contact anyone, so we have my laptop and we have the phone. Do you want to try to type something up on the laptop to get it out to somebody else? If I guess court- yeah is online and who else was online was it you Vernon? no it was Vernon. yeah Vernon in court see if you can message one of them that's a good idea are there dms in the rift yeah that's how you guys are all talking or work oh like in a group aha okay then i will i guess i'll just message our group chat there's no reason to start a different one i'll just message the normal group chat and you go to access the rift you pull up the web page however the rift doesn't come back up. Instead, <laughs> it's a simple message. It says, Entity AR0067 set to redundancy. What the heck? I bang on the keyboard a little bit. Tosco, what's wrong with your computer? That's not really my computer. I'm going to walk across the hall to the living room and look out the window and see what I see outside. What do I see? So, Tosca, you stroll up to this window and you look outside and you expect to see the normal signs of the reservation on a Saturday night. People playing in the street, scavenging for food, tossing stones. Instead, you see a car parked out front. Something that is not completely unusual, but also rare for this part of Florida. Okay. Most alarming to you, Tosca, is that the street outside is clean. The normal bustle of a street in the res on a Saturday night is nowhere to be seen. Across the street, the gas station that last you knew was someone's home is now lit up like an operating room with clean white light spilling over a concrete apron. Jenny, come look at this shit. This is not how I left it. I mean, it, it looks pretty normal to me. How long has it been since you saw a car? I don't know, maybe an hour or so. An hour? I haven't seen a car in three and a half months. Months? Months. Yes, months. Cars are not like fucking around here. Nobody has a car. There should be a bunch of shit going on down on the street that is not happening right now. Would you walk outside with me, please? Um, okay, hold on a second. I want to go back and I'm just going to lightly touch my phone. Is it still burning hot? Yeah. In fact, your phone is hot enough now that the edges of the case that you had it in are deforming. It's getting hot enough that you're legitimately concerned about being a fire risk. Interesting. I don't want to just leave it here, but I can't really carry it. Is there any like glassware, like a plate or like glass Tupperware or anything in the kitchen drawers? Tosca, you tell me. This is your kitchen. Do you have anything that's not plastic, Tosca? Yeah, I've, I've got some Pyrex above the microwave. That'll work. Are you going to put your phone in the Pyrex dish and carry it with us? Yeah, I just... Because I, I got this laptop in this bag I got to carry, and that's like already a lot of shit. So do we really need to carry this caught on fire ass phone? I just don't want to leave it here. 
that thing's never, ever going to work again. I mean, you just said the world outside changed, so I might not say never. That's an excellent point. Fuck. We <laughs> might. Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. Bring, bring the Pyrex dish. Let's ride. And I will use something to push the phone onto the dish, and I'm just going to carry it casually, as one does. <laughs> Sure. You guys gather all your supplies, a laptop, a vinyl bag containing some odd contraption that's been used to the best of your knowledge, Tosca, to commit murder once tonight already. Yeah. A phone that is actively overheating and possibly self-destructing. And you trundle your happy asses right out the front door. Where, in a place very close, but also very, very far... Court is being regaled by a very friendly Bruce regarding some of the finer points of Bruce's favorite comic book, The Blizzard. We are going to switch over to Court and Bruce. Cruise, if you will. (laughs) Yes, they're they're a couple name. Oh, no. (laughs) We don't want to talk about it. Court, you were standing outside of this apartment building, and Bruce has now finally gotten to a point where he's not completely dominating every second telling you about every minor detail of the blizzard and its multiple editions you have yet to investigate the whole reason that you had come here would you want to let me know what you were doing court so i have definitely gotten past the whole being polite thing like the nodding has been going on for like 10 minutes now so at this point i just kind of pat him on the shoulder and go uh-huh yeah and i just keep walking towards the door while going mm-hmm. oh yeah no good point Bruce, you seem to be getting some kind of message from court indicating the door. Are you choosing to follow or are you continuing on with your long monologue? Bruce can do both. He's not going <laughs> to stop talking about the blizzard, but he'll follow. Well, in the blizzard, Steve, you might remember, he's the signal. So, so court, he seems destined uh, to be Bruce, having a followed you very compliantly hero, all the way the up to the door, powers is there with you, the but... So, what's he supposed to be in the blizzard? If you remember what I told you about issue 25, what Um, do you think? Bruce? um, Yeah? So, I... I'm not going to lie. I have not been paying attention up till now. I do not have an answer for your question, but we should probably investigate this door a bit. Yeah. I, I, sorry. I get a little distracted when I talk about the blizzard. Oh, no, no. It was really enthusiastic. I like that part. I just, I know what you're talking about and it kind of freaks me out. So I'm trying not to think about it too much. <laughs> well, sure. Everybody knows the blizzard. Yeah. That's the part that scares me a tiny bit. So I'm going to look back uh, a single glance towards the amalgamation that was a gas station. Give it one last, like, inquisitive look and say, well, I don't really want to be out here. Um, So shall we go try to find our friends inside? I'm game. There we go. That is the blizzard attitude. Let's go. (laughs) That's right. You open the door. It swings inward, and there is a dark hallway in there. For the indications of disrepair that you've seen from this building, it does seem to be at least structurally sound from what you can tell. In front of you is a hallway leading to a staircase and a room off to the back that would appear to be some type of elevator. Your guess is as good as anyone else's as to whether those elevators work given the general state of the rest of the building. Well, this is definitely a step down from the Grandestino. No, I think we have to step up to get where we're going. <laughs> You guys are sitting at the entrance to this hallway when you hear a noise from deep within the building. It sounds like a cough, just real faint, 
Well, we know it's not abandoned. Oh, that's true. Oh, do you want to go try to investigate? All right, all right. I said I was game. I'll be game. Good. All right, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Court decides that that cough had to have echoed from upstairs. There's no doubt about it. So without any kind of hesitation or even second thought, she bravely starts to push Bruce upstairs. Bruce, you're being pushed by court uh, towards the staircase. Uh, uh, why the sudden rush? Bruce, court's insistence hurries you up the stairs. And indeed, as you're starting to turn the corner to go from the second to the third floor, you hear the cough again, and this time something falls and hits the ground. There's, as best you could tell from outside, only three stories to this apartment building. You make your way up to the third story and you are confronted with a hallway. There are some doors just jammed open. There is one, however, that does appear to be operational and it just so happens to be for apartment 16, the apartment that you were instructed by Palakas to meet at. Bruce, what do you see? This is the one we're looking for, right? I feel a bit turned around after how the night's been going, but... Oh, yeah. No, it's important to just kind of go with the flow. If you think about stuff too much, it starts to hurt your head. So, I think we just knock on the door. Maybe they're coughing inside. Yeah, they should be expecting mm-hmm. us, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll knock on the door. You knock on the door, and you hear a small voice from inside say, Oh, shit. And some footsteps head up towards the door, and... It cracks open, and a child's face peeks out from behind. Hello. Oh. Hi, sweetie. That's a little creepy that you're calling me sweetie. (laughs) It is. But is one of you Bruce? Um, yes. That was weird. Uh, no, just... Yeah. uh, Just listen, I... This isn't, like, a weird thing, and I was promised that you weren't gonna be a creep, so neither one of you is gonna be a creep, right? Oh, no, I'm anti-creep. Okay, good. I'm a happily married man and father. I've met happily married men before that were creeps. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you're Bruce, I just have to do this. The door swings open, and in front of you is what appears to be a 13 or 14 year old girl. What she is doing in this apartment building is beyond you. However, she does seem to know who you are, at least, Bruce. And she motions for you to come inside. Are you a friend of Hans? What's going on here? Who the hell is Hans? What? I guess that means no. Is this Hans? Are you Hans? Hmm? Uh, No, no, no. That's my son. He's about your age. I don't know. I don't know anyone named Hans. But why do you know me? This lady came up to me in the mall. She approached me while I was coming out of the Hot Topic, and she said, I have kind of a strange request, but how would you like to make $150? So I'm here. It's, like, super late, and, like, I have much better things to be doing with a Saturday night, so will you just take this fucking leather? She reaches in her back pocket and pulls out what appears to be a handwritten letter. You have to take it. She said that I had to give it directly to you or I didn't get my money. Uh, all right. This is from a, a woman you met at a, a mall? That's so American. Listen, you weirdo, just take the leather, please, so I can get my money. I was inclined to until you called me a weirdo. <laughs> well, then stop being a weirdo. <laughs> and she tosses the letter on the ground and she says... I'm considering this as you taking that. If you pick it up, fine. 
I don't care. I don't see how she's going to know one way or another. And she pulls out her phone and takes a picture of the letter at your feet and then scans the phone up and takes a picture of both you and Court and says, I'm out of here. Do with it whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going to get my $150. What the fooey did and she do with that And she runs phone? past you and you hear her feet on the stairs. Are either one of you trying to stop her? Oh, no, no. Bruce has been a bit of a creep. I... <laughs> Uh, no, I don't try to stop her. Was I in the wrong there? Uh, kind of. Court? You were being a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Like, normally if someone says I have a letter for you, you you like, you take the letter and you'll say thank you. And then, like, sometimes you give them, like, a crisp high five. <laughs> um, <laughs> She knew my name. I I, I have no idea what well, this is. I know is. your name and we just met. Yeah, but we know each other from the rift. You didn't hire a small child to come up and say hi. Do you like the blizzard? I'm a very mysterious person. I could have done that. That could have been me at that hot topic. It wasn't, but like, you don't know that. You're right, I mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what my point was. Never mind. <laughs> All right. But you have a letter. Do you- this is the apartment we were supposed to be at. So Bruce is going to pick up the letter and unfold it. You pick up the letter and unfold it. The message that it contains reads as follows. To dearest Bruce, on occasion of your first interlace. I cannot tell you all the things I wish to tell you. I have tried, believe me, but for whatever cause, I am unable. Perhaps I can help you learn all you and your friends need to know another way. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, in a land far from here, full of curious discoveries, there lived a kind-hearted wizard named Sunjia. The wizard soon loved to explore the mysteries of the human mind, trying to discover the secrets within. She was part of an arcane college, which was devoted to discovering what makes up memories. These wizards tried their best, but found it very hard to say exactly what made a memory. The wizard soon had a different idea, though. She wanted to study brave men and women who had a disease that made them forget things. Things that, once forgotten, made it hard for them to be part of their tribes and towns. The wizard soon thought she could identify what a memory was by learning what these poor, afflicted people lacked. She traveled all through the land to meet people who had lost their memories, and when she met them... She asked to draw pictures of their minds. Then she would come back over time to draw their minds again, to see what had changed since she last visited. This work continued for years, and after meeting countless special people, drawing their minds and comparing them to older drawings she had done of their minds, Sunjia felt that she was no closer to her goal. One day, as Sunjia was about ready to give up, She received news of a man who had come down with the same strange forgetting disease she was researching. Unlike other people with the disease, this man had a different wizard draw pictures of his mind before he got sick. This man's name was Lai Bojing. Wizard Sunjia raced to meet Lai Bojing so she could draw a picture of his mind. When she got there, she found that... Poor Bojing had forgotten more than anyone she had ever met with the disease. He had even forgotten his own name and how to speak like his friends. The man insisted that the wizard soon call him David. He would only use the language of a faraway kingdom from across the sea. 
Sunjia wasted no time. She worked fervently day and night to prepare Lai Bojing's mind. She gave him special potions and mixtures and taught him the magic words that would let the wizard soon peer into his mind so that she could draw it with her machines. When she was finished, she thought she had drawn the most accurate picture of a mind she had ever drawn. But when she looked at the drawing that the other wizard had done of Lai Bojing's mind before he got sick, nothing looked the same. Something must be wrong if my picture does not match, she thought. So the wizard soon drew Bojing's mind again and again. Each time it looked just like her original picture, but nothing like the picture the first wizard had drawn. Sunjia couldn't figure out what, if anything, she was doing wrong. <sighs> I'm afraid that is all I can say right now. Seek me out if you can. Otherwise, I will send you what I can when I can. Your friend always, Alana. Alana, do, do you recognize that name from the Rift Court? Can't say I do. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to rate and review What's in the Rift on your favorite podcast platforms. If you really like the show, you can find us on Patreon to support us directly. Find links to our Patreon and Discord servers on whatsintherift.com. We appreciate the time that you spent with us, and we're looking forward to spending some more time with you soon. What's in the Rift is brought to you by Gas Station Drugs.